We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for Ask the Expert North Texas. I'm Kristen Diaz. I'm David Rankin. The main shooting brought the country to a stop last night. Police there have the dragnet out for Robert Card. Right now, he's only considered a person of interest in the mass shooting at that restaurant and at the bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine. Right now, there are 18 dead, dozens more hurting. State police say there's an arrest warrant for eight counts of murder. On today's Ask the Expert, we're joined by Dr. Alex Del Carmen. He's a criminology professor at Tarleton State, and he is in the KRLD newsroom. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. Another mass shooting in this country. What went through your mind when you first heard about this one? Here we go again. I mean, you know, when I was uh, watching the news last night and, and I started seeing that body count uh, go up, and uh, what was surprising to me was that it was in Maine, right? Because Maine, for us criminologists, is a place we don't we don't cite often because it is not um, one uh, state that is known for its criminality. Um, but it goes to show you, right, that regardless of where we are in the United States and where we are in the world, we're always going to be subject to um, you know someone uh, using a weapon uh, in order to kill innocent people. It is a horrible act, and it's going to be a very very difficult manhunt. Uh, that's going to be taking place in the coming days or weeks. Why do we see a constant pattern? We we talk about being careful about bringing up the name of these shooters, and you know we're on a alert for copycats right after these events happen. But it seems like all of these people are copycats. They all kind of they go to public places. They all bring some kind of an assault rifle. What is this trend that we're seeing with the mass shooter? Typically, mass shooters um, have one of two things happen to them, right? Either they have a connection with the with the place or they don't. And in places that they do have a connection with the site, uh, they're typically being fired by someone or they have been, uh, there's been some sort of a an altercation with someone that may actually own the place. I was looking for that kind of clue last night when I was watching this because I thought maybe we're going to know that this guy is somehow linked to the bowling alley or to the bar where he went and chose those places as places that he wanted to kill people. I would argue that the copycat comes in from the opportunity that the that the killer has, right? It's, I don't think they're necessarily copying each other as much as they are looking for opportunities where there is a, a massive number of individuals that they can go in there and kill at one time. They're also looking for places that are also familiar to them. So there is actually intent involved when he walked in with his weapon. His intent is to kill as many people as possible, as opposed to just trying to frighten somebody. There's no question, David. I, I would argue that even if we do find out what his medical protocol was like this past summer where he was being treated for mental illness, 
that does not take away uh, his intent, his planification, particularly given that he's highly trained. Uh, this is someone that's actually an instructor on firearm uh, usage, right? And so a marksman and a sergeant, uh, first sergeant in the U.S. Army. So you add all of those components with 20 years of service in the military, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how to use a weapon. He knows exactly how to load up a magazine. Um, I promise you that he was looking for targets. Now, whether or not in his mind he was in a foreign country defending our democracy or he was actually killing people in the United States you know, for whatever reasons he had, I don't know. And perhaps we're never going to know. But what is clear to me is that there was intent and there was planning involved. Now, with that being said, why are we calling this him a person of interest rather than a suspect? What's the process to get from one to the other? I would say it's probably a matter of hours, if not days, before they switch from one to the other. But law enforcement and particularly the DAs, they like to use person of interest as a, as a name or as a title because they don't have enough probable cause in order to you know, file the charges and make the person be a quote unquote suspect. I think for all practical purposes, we can consider this guy a primary suspect, particularly that there is a warrant uh, for his arrest uh, and that that we've got footage, right, um, where the guy walks into these places and starts killing people. And we have witnesses, or those individuals that survived. And so I'm not sure why uh, in this particular case they haven't switched from one title to the next. But I, I assume and I anticipate that that will happen very soon. You talk about the training that he had in the military. Does that make him harder to find that he's going to be able to evade the police for a longer period of time, let alone possibly cross the border? Absolutely. And David, what we have here is what we call the perfect storm. We have an individual that is particularly young, 20 years of military service, has been exposed to uh, handling a firearm and teaching others as to how to handle it. On top of that, uh, an individual that has had a record of mental illness that was being treated at a mental hospital for what we know not right now for two weeks. Someone that is a local, someone that is familiar with the ter territory that likes to hunt so he knows the mountains very well. Uh, I have and I anticipate that this guy knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly where he was going to drive off to and leave his car. He knew exactly what he, where he was going to go into phase number two. And what I, I'm concerned about is whether or not he actually already left the state which would make the manhunt that much more difficult than it would make it at the national level versus the state level. And, and also if he has a phase two and three uh, of attacking people, right? Uh, typically these things don't come just at once, especially if you're a trained killer. Um, and in this particular case, law enforcement has a very, very difficult situation at hand. And I pray for uh, men and women in law enforcement so that they can actually make, make, make it out of this safely um, and in one piece. In these types of situations, you know, you want to be able to capture this person. And in the past, when we've had these mass shootings, it's happened a lot quicker than what we're seeing today. Um, it seemed yesterday, from my perspective, I was just like, wow, they were already alerted the president. Wow, they were already giving federal resources. Well, is that pretty quick when something like that happens, especially for a small town? I was trying to compare it to maybe like Uvalde, um, where it was a small town, small police unit, and they were needing extra force. Who's now handling this in you know, this search? Is it just all hands on deck or who's leading? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, I wouldn't compare it to Uvalde for this particular reason. And that, and that, that would be, although I understand why you did that, because these are rural communities that don't have limited resources. 
But also remember, Kristen, that in the state of Texas, we have the largest number of law enforcement entities in the United States. The, 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 so, so here, although Uvalde may seem remote, you know, we, we have the capability through DPS and other entities of putting boots on the ground right away. I will say that in Maine, it's a little bit more complicated than that, although to your point, the president was was given a, a briefing and federal and state resources were made available to them right away because unfortunately we have learned from the recent past that time is of the essence. If we don't provide those resources uh, to the incident commander on the ground, as soon as the as soon as the attacks come in, we are going to be losing precious time where this person can actually be getting away from the state or from uh, the entity or even from the country, as David asked the question earlier about going to another country. So I would say that we're getting better at that. Uh, I would say that in this particular case, it is absolutely necessary that federal and state resources are given because this is a very small community with very limited resources. And, and as far as who's in charge, uh, the feds are probably in charge right now. I, you know, the, the FBI has already deployed its, its, its folks over there. They have the behavioral analysis unit on the ground, which is likely, you know, trying to come up with predictability factors as to where he likely is and what sort of mindset he's in. Um, we also have the U.S. Marshals on the ground. We've got, I mean, there are so many entities right now. I, I, I promise you that they're not going to be lacking the resources. And tonight, uh, there are going to be a lot of drones up in the air and a lot of helicopters and planes up in the air looking for that body heat uh, somewhere in the mountains. In the mind of a person like that, is it a fear factor thing? He wants people to be afraid because police are telling everyone, stay in your houses, don't, basically don't come out until they find this guy. Goes into a bowling alley where kids are present, goes into a restaurant. What's the mindset of, of, of how he chose his targets? You know, David, um, for those of us that were teenagers and kids in the 80s, this reminds me of Rambo, you know, uh, the first Rambo movie uh, where you have a highly skilled person that comes in, has PTSD, and you have a sheriff that in, in that particular movie, obviously, was, was, was a bit different in terms of the dialogue, right? But nevertheless, the sort of premise of it is the same, where you, these folks are very comfortable in the woods, they know how to survive. They know how to live in the woods. I would say that in this particular case, uh, maybe he doesn't have a purpose. Maybe his purpose is just to kill um, and be in charge of something. Maybe he's got a uh, some sort of an anger trigger point. They, there were rumors or stories last night that he had just been fired recently. And that may have been a trigger for him that sort of put him over the edge. But But I don't know that in this particular case, he very much wants to be feared as much as as he wants to make um, leave a signature behind uh, of dead bodies, unfortunately, on the ground. Remember that that at some point when you're trained in the U.S. Army or in the armed forces on how to kill, uh, it becomes almost instinctual for you to know what you need to do, how to load up a weapon, how to hide in the mountains, how to have MREs in storage, where the caves are. Um, I don't know if it's been deployed overseas or not, but that would also encourage me to think that perhaps he's hiding somewhere in a rural setting um, or perhaps even in someone's home uh, in that particular area, like we saw in Boston. You may recall the Boston Marathon bombers, where one of them was hiding inside a boat uh, on the front yard of, of a resident, right? And so so you may have something like that as well. The problem is, is that it's a vast area um, that is not that it, that is not well populated, and with limited resources, it, it becomes a nightmare for law enforcement. Dr. Alex Del Carmen from Tarleton State, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.